There's men in each one of our lives, men and women, that God brings into our lives, into our family life corporately, that shape us, that, that make us more like Christ. Those are, those are gifts. I mean, gifts of God, of, of ministries and ministry partners and ministers who show us the love of Christ. Show us what it means to minister in His name. This church has been so richly blessed in so many ways. One of its greatest blessings, maybe the greatest blessing apart from our relationship with Christ, has been our relationship with Saul and Pilar Cruz. For the last 20 years, we've had the privilege of partnering with a man who radically loves Jesus, and he believes that God has called him to do something about brokenness. Believes that he's called to be the remedy as he goes in Jesus' name as the true remedy to those in great need. Story after story pours forth from this man. Because why? Because of his gifts, they're unbelievable. His abilities are unbelievable. Maybe only second to Pilar's. (laughs) And you think that his gifts are unbelievable? Ask him about his kids. And you see covenant faithfulness as one right now is studying her master, the master's degree in England. A foreign tongue. Most of you will have a hard time understanding the English in England. Let alone somebody uh, from Mexico. Their son, Saulito, is uh, in Germany. Ministering in Germany. Amazing, amazing, great faithfulness. For the last 20 years, we've had the privilege of partnering with Saul in Armenia. Their motto is this. Together, transforming poverty into life. I can promise you this. They transform poverty of my heart into life watching your ministry, watching you. And thank you so much for coming and opening up God's Word. Would you please welcome Saul Cruz. Bless you, brother. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you very much, everyone. You have been so faithful partners for 20 years. Uh, do you feel like I do in need of consolation and comfort? Do you need, uh, as I do, understanding of why we suffer in spite of all our dedication to the Lord? And the fact that we have a victorious Lord who has won already every battle and the last battle. I do need to understand that. If you have a little time at home, try to read uh, first, Second Corinthians. It's a very, very sweet letter about comfort and consolation. If you don't have to t- the time, make the time. Because you need to read the whole Bible and pay attention to 2 Corinthians if you need comfort. Let me read you some of the things that Paul wrote and are going to give context to our conversation this morning. Let me first uh, say that uh, the the passage that we are going to, to study today together is in 2 Corinthians 4. And we are going to go from verse uh, 1 to verse 16. Because we are going to create a sandwich. Okay? And the first and the last uh, layers of the sandwich are, are a simple, simple sentence. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart. You see, that's how Second uh, Corinthians 4 starts. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And then, in verse 16, when Paul is coming to a climax, when he's finally uh, explained why he says that, he goes over again and he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. But why would he say that? Why would he uh, say something so, so important, so, so deep, coming from his heart? Well, first, uh, when he starts uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, the, 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 this letter, to the second of, uh, to the Corinthians, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Isn't that wonderful? We have a God of compassion, the Father of compassion, a God of all comforts. That's our God. You see, and that, by His grace, that God, by His grace, gave a ministry to His church, gave a ministry to Paul, gave a ministry to us all. And, uh, and therefore, we, we have that, we need to have that in our minds as our departing uh, point because sufferings are going to be real. They're going to be real. We want to hear you. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. It's sliding. I think it's my belly. <laughs> no, I'm working in it. <laughs> um, well, yes, we are, we're speaking of the God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And... Uh, but, you know, Paul speaks of this because pain is real, because hardships are real. So please uh, read with me part of the context uh, uh, a bit further. Verse 8, chapter 1. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Wow. Can you just imagine the kind of hardships uh, Paul is going through? And even in, in spite of that, even when he is going through so very uh, difficult and dangerous moments, he writes in chapter 2, verse 14, but... Thanks to God, be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. So we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. Well, when we read this, 
we start understanding Paul's perspective on suffering. We realize that for Paul, uh, suffering is part of triumph. We realize that there is not going to be a triumph with the absence of suffering. Both things go together. And this is how he handled uh, this. Let's go then to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since uh, through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, of clay to show that this, is, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then... Death is at work at, uh, in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Well, it's really uh, so important to speak about this. Last, uh, last year, I had to be in Budapest. And the first thing I, I, I'm always asking myself is, was if I had to be there. Because I had left my wife back home with uh, her dying mother. Her mother was uh, very, very sick. And, and really, I had planned not to go finally to this uh, Lausanne meeting in Budapest. And, and a few days before uh, leaving, my wife called me and said, you have to go. It's so important that you go. And people are waiting for your participation. Please go. And I said, I, I don't want to leave you in the middle of this hardship. It's very bad. And she was all the time with her mom at the hospital. And, and she said, please go. It's going to be fine. Well, I went there. And of course, the first day I'm sitting there and, and listening to all what they have to say. But it's very difficult. There is a pain inside of me thinking, what am I here? You see, is it worth the trip? 
is it really good that I am, I am here and I'm asking myself? And then, in the middle of the program, they start reading this passage. Speaking of the treasure that we have in Christ, this knowledge, this light that he has shined upon us so that we can get to know Jesus and God himself through Jesus and, the, and, and saying and reading, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And for the very first time, I start understanding that this is the, the real center of all what we are up to. Because on the one hand, we have a victorious Lord. On one hand, he has conquered death for us. On one hand, he has defeated Satan and he won't enslave us anymore. On one hand, he is the Lord, you see, and he is all for all and over all. But on the other hand, this is the not yet times. We're still struggling. We're still suffering. We're still in the middle of hardship. We're still in pain. And, uh, and we have to endure very much all these hardships that come to our lives. And I was right there thinking, Lord, how is this, is, how is this possible? I'm going to break. This, I cannot take more. And the Lord said, well, that's the whole point. You see? You're going to be crushed. You see, you're going to be pressed in every direction. But you're not going to crush. You're going to be perplexed, but you're not going to despair because my power is abiding in you. And uh, what a good word for me at that time. And I heard a friend saying, Saul, this is like being knocked down, but not being knocked out. And I said, yes, yes. I was just full of dirt. Let me wake up. You see, let's carry on. There had been many things happening around us, including losing 10 years of work in, uh, in a place where we have been ministering for many years. And, uh, and I was pretty sad, pretty uh, tired, losing heart. And God comes to my rescue in the middle of his work. And I thank him. Because the wars haven't come yet. See, I come back very soon. My mother-in-law uh, uh, dies. Then I get sick and sicker and sicker. But when the Orange Woodians are coming to their, to their uh, yearly trip, I'm feeling so bad. You see? They were asking me all the time, how are you feeling? And I was like, fine, but I'm not good for lying. And they, they would say, liar. Uh, and I, I was feeling so bad, really. Pain was a constant thing. And I was just asking people, please, pray. Pray for us. Pray for us. This is difficult. And then I, I, God healed me. But uh, the day he healed me, Josias, a beloved kid of one of our uh, students' residences, uh, falls sick. Very, very sick. And he spends a whole month in the hospital. And we are his practical parents. And we have to be with him all the time. And he's in the middle of this suffering. And the day he's leaving the hospital, 
my wife who has spent all her time trying to help this kid has catch something and she goes into another hospital very sick as well. And then another month of hardship. So, wow. But you know, we're so weak. We're so weak, you see, because that's how the, the, the surpassing power of God shows that He is with us. That's how the world can see how He is with us. But let me go to the beginning of this uh, passage rapidly. It says here that uh, Paul has decided not to lose heart because his ministry is not his invention. He has not created this master plan to evangelize uh, Asia or to evangelize the world he knew. And, but this is a ministry that has come from God. So he trusts that this God of compassion, that this Father of all comfort, is going to be with him in the middle of all this hardship. So the ministry is not his. It's not his invention. And this is something that the church needs to remember all the time. What we are up to is not our invention. This is not something that we created. Yes, we decide how we are going to put the chairs, and we decide how we are going to do the, the, the worshiping service, and if we're going to use organs or guitars, and we're going to clap and jump or not. We decide all that, but that doesn't mislead us to think that, therefore, what the church is up to is our own idea. You see, this ministry comes from God, and everything with it is God who, in His grace, gave us this ministry. This ability to serve the world in the name of Christ, to bring His message, to bring His light to places where only darkness reigns. So, because of that, Paul brings, comes out with a conviction, very clear conviction. He says that he has decided, has resound to secret and shameful ways. He's not going to use deception to do his work. And well... As you say, oh boy, do I understand Paul? I do. You see, when you are in the middle of, of, of the work, of missionary work, sometimes you, you see that in spite of all your efforts, in spite of all what you have done, in spite of, of housing programs, in spite of just emptying yourself into the lives of people, nothing is happening. People are not faithful, uh, faithfully attending the Bible studies. People are not really obeying. The, the attendance uh, sometimes on Sundays is very poor. Their giving is very poor. You want to do something. Uh, sometimes we dream. And what if we do just like uh, Rice Christians and we offer a meal uh, uh, in exchange for their attendance? What if we uh, give them something? What if we promise them prosperity? You see? Uh, and we start telling them that if uh, they do this and they do that and they give this, they are going to have a lot of money and they are going to get all the treasures in earth that God has prepared for them. And you see, sometimes I just look at the churches uh, of people who preach those things which are crowded. You see, overflow, overflowing of people. They're buying more and more cinemas in Mexico and people just flock into it. They want to hear that kind of word. And I said, no, no. As Paul here, he says, I am going to say the truth plainly and only the truth and the truth. 
and we are going to commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's it. We're not going to use deception. You see, especially when you work with the poor. You can make them come in exchange for things, but that's not the point. You see, that's not the point. It will mislead you. It will take you to places where you don't want to be. It will distort completely the message of of the Bible. And you are going to experience fantastic things as seeing your place really nicely attended. But God won't be there. It will be only human trickery. And Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, and it is veiled to those who are perishing. You know, it's difficult. You can be explaining over and over the gospel, acting it out, blessing people, bringing them food, going with them to the hospital. I remember that uh, once, uh, that one time when Orangewood, the Orangewood doctors came to Jalalpa, they found a girl who had a terrible problem in her intestines, and uh, and they identified the problem, and everybody moved, especially our daughter Adi. And we found a hospital. It was very difficult to get her into the hospital. Finally, the girl was put there. And we, did, we just didn't sleep for, for days to make that girl have a proper treatment. And it was very successful. First thing the parents did when they came out, I was expecting them that, that, that uh, next uh, Sunday to say something in gratitude they said that they were tired, that they were not coming this Sunday. Next Sunday, we invited them again, and they said that, well, they were going to have visitors. The following Sunday, we said, are, are, are you coming finally? Because everybody wants to congratulate you. said, no, we are not. In fact, we're not going to go back because, you know, it was just a coincidence. Happened to be there, and my, the child was sick, but in fact, we do our own things. Goodbye. And you go like, wow. Wow, you see, and, and you think, what, what is happening? I need to be a better teacher. I need to explain things with sticks and stones or what? You see, how am I going to tell people that God really loves them and he's there ready to embrace them and take them, to, take them home? But the God of these times has veiled them has blinded them. You see, then Paul goes into a discussion here. There are two gods. Verse 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. You see? For the, uh, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But on the other hand, the real God, verse 6, who said the, the, the Creator... That the real, really powerful one says, God who, who said, let light shine out of darkness. The one who separated darkness from day from night. That one made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That isn't wonderful? Isn't, isn't that absolutely amazing? Our knowledge... What we know doesn't depend on us. It's not our efforts. The only thing that we can do is what Paul does here, to remain faithful. He remains faithful to his call, 
because by grace this ministry has been given to him. He, remained fa he remains faithful to his call and keeps saying only the truth. He doesn't use any deception. He's faithful to his call. And he remains faithful to Jesus. And he doesn't preach himself. He preaches Jesus. And he says, for we don't preach ourselves. You see, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants. That is amazing. Faithfulness, faithfulness is all what God wants from us. He's going to do the rest. He is going to work through us. Because he has put this great treasure in clay pots. Very fragile. My hometown is Oaxaca. And we're very proud because we make clay pots out of black clay. But you need to know that they are so fragile. So, so easy to break that you have to put them with care on the table. And don't dare to put water in them because they break. You see, they cannot even hold the, the weight of the, the, the water. The pressure is too much and they break. So it's just for decoration. And sometimes we feel like that, but we are just, decor uh, how do you say, decorative uh, Christians? Yeah, for decoration? We're just there? No. We need to realize that God was us, wants us as his treasure holders. People who can have his treasure. But you know, we're breakable. We're just clay pots. We suffer. Many things can happen to us. But there's where the big miracles start. Because we are going to be under terrible pressure on all sides. But we won't break. We are going to be perplexed. But we won't despair. We are going to be persecuted. But not abandoned. You know, for 10 years, we worked in a ministry, uh, ministering a town in the south of Mexico. This place is called Yalala. Everything was going so well, so beautiful, so beautifully. And we were seeing the results in the lives of the kids. And we were seeing that many of them were coming to the Lord. The last, uh, the last semester we worked there, we had 107 kids, 117 kids. And all of those, from all, uh, if, if you could see them, most of them were Christians and were behaving like Christians. So it was a joy to be with them. And they changed the municipal president. I had made a terrible mistake, as many, many, many I have done in my ministry. And the mistake was to use the premises, you see, the, the school premises and the municipality premises to do our ministry. And I, we have done this because we had been invited to. And we hadn't been able to build what we wanted to build and have our own place ready to bring the children. So we were still working in the, gov in the governmental premises. And the new municipal president, the first day he comes to power, he launches an attack uh, against us, trying to evict us. Eleven days later, I'm there in the village and using police force and using everything he's, he has in his hand in a very, very violent way, he evicts us and takes everything out of our hands. Of course, 
that provokes the people of the village. They, they see this is a great injustice. They, they know that even when I'm being accused of being a thief and robbing to these Indians their, their money, you see, that, that's, that's the excuse this, uh, this uh, municipal president is using. They know it's not true. And then they start getting weapons. And we are there praying in the middle of, of, the, of the afternoon with all the staff members thinking, what are, we, what, what are we going to do when one baker who lives up above in the hill uh, comes to see, to see me? And he says, do not worry. All men are arming, you see, and they're not going to, to touch you. We have snipers protecting you. And I said, come on, don't do that, you see. We brought peace to this town. God used us in the past to reconcile this town. This town, town was in a, in a warfare for 62 years. And God brought us here to pacify this town. And now we are going to ignite another war. So they won't touch you. And he leaves. You see, and we are in the middle of a big struggle. Even we are called by federal government and by many people. They say, we have to get you out of there. This is very dangerous. And finally, one afternoon, after like four days of real siege there. A woman uh, who is a lawyer and lives in the town and used to work for us comes disguised as a maid and comes in and, and, and I, I recognize her and, and, and she says, listen, they're going to kill you. You have to leave. My husband is a policeman and he overheard the plans. So they're going to kill you. The, what they're going to accuse you is to, of having offended the municipal president, you see, uh, publicly, and, and, the, and therefore, they are going to take you from this town to another town, which is four hours uh, away, to see the judge. But in the way, they're going to let you escape. They're going to kill you and all your friends. So please. And she was crying. And, and Danny, who is, uh, you, you remember his story, is one of our uh, 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 former street children uh, that now is a lawyer and works uh, with us in the leadership of the ministry, he's there with me and he says, we got to go. They're going to kill us. You see? So let's jump in the car and go. And I, I said, let me call my wife. On the other side of the, the line were Saulito, our son, Adi, Pilar, crying and crying. They were praying and crying. He says, are you all right? Yes. And I, I, I talked to her and I said, do you mind if I give up, give up all what we have been given here? We have audio equipment, video equipment, furniture, kitchen uh, things and everything here. Do you mind if I use some of the ministry's money to pay all the debts here? Because I have an idea. I want to, to do what Jesus would teach me uh, to do. To go and put my face again. Uh, over again to, for them to give me a second blow. And she says, no, I'm with you. Okay. So we prayed, took the car, put everybody in, and instead of running away, I went to the, to the police station, to the municipality where they were, and they were very surprised that I showed up, you see. And I go in the middle of them, and I'm in front of this man. He was the pastor. He had been the pastor of the Pentecostal church. Now he was the president. And, uh, and, and, and I knew him. So I was counting with his response. So I said to him, Mr. President, uh, if in any way I offended you, I want to ask publicly your forgiveness. If in any way I have insulted you, 
you see? In any way that I am not uh, aware of it, I want, you see, to ask your forgiveness. He's very theatrical, so he goes, I forgive you. Yes! And I said, great! (laughs) Great! Because uh, he said it publicly, you see? And I said, and, 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 and this woman had explained to us that they were going to accuse me of trying to steal things from the school. You see, they were our things, and we wanted to, to leave taking them away with us. And I said, and I have here papers of donation for everything that we left in the school. So this is the audio equipment, the video equipment, all this. This is for the school. We are going to leave it there. And, uh, and, and here uh, is a check that is going to pay for all the debts that the students' residents may, may have. It, it's, it, we were not supposed to pay this, but we want to pay it. So right here. So everybody turns around, and they don't have anything against us. Anything, you see. And their, their false accusations are now vanished. And he says, okay, you're free to go. You can move around freely. So, thank you. We stayed there for one more day, and then we left. The village was very unhappy. People were stopping me on the street to say, we have men with guns. We can take over. We can impeach him. We can evict him. It didn't happen. I said, no, no way. Well, let me tell you, this year this ministry has grown up so much. It's so amazing. You see, we can be persecuted, but we will never be abandoned. And that's very important that we keep in mind. We can be knocked down. But that's very different to knock us out because Christ is in us, for us, with us, all the time. And in our weakness, His power shines. In our worst moments, He is the powerful one. Has Armonia done mighty things? No, it is not us. It is not Saul and Pilar. Really, we're just two humble servants of Christ. It is Christ. It is Christ. The last three years, we have been growing in spite of being sick. How is that we grow? It's Christ who grows uh, in, inside of us. It's Christ who brings all these things to harvest. You see, is He the one who needs to worship and adore because He is the Lord of the harvest. He is the one who partnered with us. He is the one who decided to invite us to be his faithful servants in the middle of this. Therefore, we go through death, we go through hardship, but it's in benefit of thousands that can come to the knowledge of Christ. That's how Paul says, you see, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Let's not to lose heart because we have a powerful God. Thank you.